Let's, uh, let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for this time. And we're grateful for our eagerness to learn the things that our culture don't, doesn't want us to learn. We'd ask that you'd help us find these things and apply them for the good of our kids. In your son's name, amen. amen. The, second, the second talk is <laughs> another one like... Uh, the first, it's a, it's, it's less, a little bit more about the child rearing aspect, but the first one was about, for heaven's sake, try to have real Christianity going on in your life. Uh, otherwise, don't expect them to get really saved in their life. Don't expect the image that you share to make the image of Christ in them if you haven't been the image of Christ. But, um, one thing I have noticed over many, many years um, that Christian advice about uh, child rearing didn't seem to bear the fruit it needed to bear. And one thing, one of the things that came to my mind that seemed to be lacking in children that parents didn't seem to be putting into their children is humility. Not, you know, some patriarchal family that browbeats their children until they're um, uh, crushed little uh, servile wretches. Not that kind of humility, but real, actual, I know my place. Most kids who get into problems are kids who don't know their place. Don't know, you know, I'm an idiot. I probably shouldn't be making decisions about my life. There's this conceit. Uh, Frank Chang was sharing with me a few years ago, and he keeps track of these numbers that they, that 70% uh, of American college students think they're in the top 10%. <laughs> now, little Johnny is actually proving how stupid he is. Now, in that, in that world of humility, one thing, we've got, we've got love, we've got affection, we've got discipline, and the real serious Christian families spank, and we'll get to that, they spank for discipline. <clears throat> and somehow they don't seem to be getting the effect. Part of the problem is humility, the absence of it, and a world in which humility cannot exist. Um, so our second session is on the need for a true adult. This universe that God made, it's the only one you've got, is based on rank and it's based on rule. You are two things. You are an adult and you're a parent. Both of those are ranks. Both of those have a degree of nobility. And because we, and, and, and that, you say, well, okay, what's the big point? This nation, from its inception, from the French uh, uh, Enlightenment, has set its sights on destroying the concept 
of rank and rule. We want leadership and equality. Liberté, equality, fraternité, said Eric Cartman. <laughs> Authority. Now, that world you can't have. No, the world God made doesn't change. So a, a bad philosophy just makes people live in this awful conflict between French Enlightenment equality and God's universe of, of rank. And it just gets, it's not just, oh, they've got a bad idea, too bad they're running their lives that way. They don't match up with what is actual and will continue to be actual. Now I have a quote here from Abolition of Man by C.S. Lewis on the side. Until quite modern times, all teachers and even all men believed the universe to be such that certain emotional reactions on our part could be either congruous or incongruous to it. Believed, in fact, that objects did not merely receive but could merit our approval or disapproval, our reverence or our contempt. Now he's going at, in Abolition of Man, he's going after the educational systems where people have stripped real responsiveness to something meriting reverence from our categories. They just have, well, okay, you say you're honored to the judge only because of his position. Nobody is thinking that someone, no one is better than I am. No one should be better than I am. We cannot live in a world where no one is better than anyone and have your children rise up and call you blessed and honor you as if you were better than they if you do not give them the category called better than they. Alright, that's a, it's a pretty simple at-war situation. Our whole society says we're equal and we're not. And the Bible has commands for those of us who recognize it to say, honor your father and mother. Honor the emperor. Whatever the honor is. Now, Leslie has posted this. This is a kind of a general definition of some of the things we try to get across in this. The degree to which you successfully govern yourself and circumstance defines your dignity and what honors are requisite to it. That's your basic definition of why you are a better agent. You have a dignity if you have a degree of government that is broader or a, a certain breadth of, of government. Uh, a father has a certain breadth of government, a mother has a certain breadth of government, an uh, employer has a breadth of government, a judge, a king, uh, God has a breadth of government. You give God all glory because God has all government. Okay? That's what it's based on, folks. I mean, it's not rocket science and it's not honor goes to dignity. Dignity is placed in the great chain of being, the great hierarchy. Now, people don't have this category, and we find ourselves unable to pull from the scriptures um, some of the wherewithal by which a family uh, gets, you might say, the information that is inculcated to the child. And if you want, even as a modern, you say, yeah, it would be great if my child had some humility. Give me a sass. You know, one of the qualifications 
for a bishop's child is that he not be insubordinate. Not insubordinate. Not giving any back chat. Not giving any sass. Not saying, no, I'm not doing that. And you need to realize that an awful lot of people, even in antiquity, before the French Enlightenment, there is a general temptation to go after your own. And one of the things we have to do, and to fight off not just the world, but basic sinfulness, all sinfulness is rooted in this problem too. That self wants to rule. And when self wants to rule any other rule, let alone not just God, but mom and dad, or the boss. You've worked with non-Christians, it's like one long complaint session. That's all they do. Go down to the break room, complain. Because they can't stand that they have to go to work for that guy to get that paycheck. Well, who does he think he is? He think he's better than us? You know, they start to think that about you, the parents. Unless you train them. One of the key things in Luke that I find to be a satisfying passage, a passage about the Roman centurion that Christ heals um, um, the servant of. And he lets he said, Christ, you can just heal him at a distance. I you don't need to come to my house. And he says, For I am a man, verse 8, set under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled at him, and turned and said to the multitude that followed him, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Recognition of place, authority, to command another, to do this, that, and the other thing, to have others command you, knowing your place, knowing your lordships, is a direct relationship to faith. Because when you claim to believe God, that's what faith is, I believe God. I'm accepting his lordship in the matter. Not even in Israel have I found such faith. Now, it's one thing to talk about authority, height, and just leave it at that. Because if anybody of you remembers before the French Revolution, um, it was that kind of ugly. It was called the Ancien Regime. Um, there was Louis XIV, or 15th, or 16th, at the pinnacle, all the aristocrats, the church, and then this base of everybody completely cut off, lost, denied. And finally they got sick and tired of it. Then stormed the Bastille and uh, started cutting off heads. Gotten all ISIS on us, I guess. Now, we don't want to say that authority as authority is a good thing because there are some rat bastard fathers who would love that portion of the talk and go home and start being, you know, point here, point there, this, that, and the other thing. I'm in charge because that's the way Jesus wants it. No greater faith have I found in Israel. 
Mark 10. You know that those who are supposed to rule over the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. So then, the horrifying mother of the year who goes, see, I'm supposed to be chasing my kids around, tying their shoes, pulling their pants up, wiping their nose, being everything for them. I'm supposed to be their servant, aren't I? So how do I deal with these notions of being set in authority? It says, honor your father and mother, obey your mother and father, that you may live long on the earth. It has commands um, about this. And if at the same time those in command are never supposed to function like they're in command, how do we deal? Because a father and a mother need to know how to go forward in their authority. Now, I want to read you um, another thing from C.S. Lewis because I like C.S. Lewis. Too bad for you. Preface to Paradise Lost is his chapter on hierarchy. Great book. This thought is not peculiar to Milton. It belongs to the ancient Orthodox tradition of European ethics from Aristotle to Johnson himself. And a failure, that's Samuel Johnson, and a failure to understand it entails a false criticism, not only of Paradise Lost, but of nearly all literature before the Revolutionary period. You notice he's, he's cutting it off at the French Enlightenment. Johnson, the Revolutionary period, that's where it stops. It may be called the hierarchical conception. According to this conception, degrees of value are objectively present in the universe. That ties in with what I read about abolition of man. Things merit a due response. I'm, I'm supposed to give it what it, I'm owing it. Degrees of value are objectively present in the universe. Everything except God has some natural superior. Everything except unformed matter has some natural inferior. The goodness, happiness, and dignity of every being consists in obeying its natural superior and ruling its natural inferiors. When it fails in either part of this twofold task, we have disease or monstrosity in the scheme of things until the peccant being is either destroyed or corrected. One or the other it will certainly be, for by stepping out of its place in the system, whether it step up like a rebellious angel or down like an luxurious husband, it has made the very nature of things its enemy. It cannot succeed. That's the idea that the world that the Bible was written in functioned in. Everything before the revolutionary period. And you see it functioning on the pages of the scripture and we run across passages that we don't understand. The church today, and I do read some theology online and, and I'm, I'm always bemused I think. There's such a big fight over complementarianism and the doctrines of the Trinity that I'm, it's almost funny, but complementarianism is a view of how to work egalitarianism and the biblical roles into one seamless garment. People are very concerned with how do I make these Bible passages that we believe fit with this, this 
society which we don't believe. So somehow, the, the church at large ends up believing both and trying to make both work. But we're not in that position, not, not at this uh, seminar. Now, first off, what about the situation where it says, hold it if you want to be uh, first, you've got to be servant of all. <coughs> and in many ways, you would see that as parents. You'd see that with Christ when he washes the feet of the s- disciples. And they were like, hold it, what are you doing? And he said, I've got to do this. And they said, okay. And he says, yes, I am your master and Lord. And if I did this, how much more should you do this for each other? He served them, but he served them as their Lord. But inside the church, that's how the relationship should work. Among you, it shall not be so. We do not... Remember how I said earlier there are, there are categories of government? You have a civil government, you have an economic government, you have a family government, you have um, church government. They have different prime directives. And you are not... Uh, for example, it tells you to turn the other cheek. Right? Someone smites you on one cheek, turn to him again the other. You put on a policeman's uniform, you're not supposed to turn the other cheek. Even if you're a Christian. Because the uniform means, I am functioning as a a member of that group, that category, called the police. And we beat those guys to a jelly with our truncheons, if they strike us. Because only someone who's not really good with their categorical distinctions thinks that the category of individual believer inside the church functions for the king of a civil state, functions for a policeman in a civil state, functions as an economic model for a business. They don't have the same requirements. So first off, you say, we don't want domineering pastors. One of the key things is, it shall not be so among you. So domineering pastors are forbidden in the scripture, and it's not just bad policy, it's sin, and we've seen a lot of it in in recent times. But, we have to stop and go, okay, how do I I function as a parent, a father, a mother, uh, the couple in charge of these kids? How do we function as lords of the system? What's the biblical model for this functioning? What am I doing? Well, going back to our first... um, task uh, of parenting is that we are here exchanging maturity. And so my lordship has got to be, you might say, effectuating that exchange. And my service to them has got to effectuate that change. Even if I'm a king, I, I serve my people. You know, even if I'm a king and I'm lord, I can say live or die. He can, I can put him to death. But if I'm a good king, I'm doing it in service to my people. So I'm serving the task of policing um, usurpation. If I'm a parent, I'm exchanging maturity. How do I do that? Um, How do I do that and and, and not get caught up in in, um, a confusion about what the nature of of Christian lordship ought to be? Now, here on the... uh, on the side column on page 13 
there are some people who like to be first and in charge because they're kind of jerks and they want the opportunity to be jerks and being in charge gives them that opportunity. There are people who accept being first because it's the noble opportunity to do the good that someone in the first place could do. Christ expects all worship. Christ humbled himself, took the form of a servant, and he was still God. This is where I like to say to you too. Go ahead. As a wife, um, when, it, when I'm in a circumstance of hospitality with a lot of people, I serve my husband first because he is my Lord and he's the most important person to me in the entire circumstance. And so when we sit down to dinner at night, the main dish goes in front of my husband and he is served first. Um, and he doesn't go, oh, no, 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 make me last. Um, he gra graciously accepts it. So that's an example of allowing yourself to be first when it's right. Right. Taking, taking the uh, the honors due, the honors that are due, um, when somebody says to you as a young child, says, yes, sir, no, ma'am, you don't go, oh, no, 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 call me Evan. He's five. He should say, yes, sir. He should say, no, ma'am. He should say, Mr. Wilson. And at a certain point, you can grant him magnanimously. You can call me Mr. Evan. But those, those sorts of things are all... They all sound like, to moderns, they sound like conceits. They sound like arrogance. But you have to have a category for the thing. Lords are needed in the system. Because without it, we'll never find humility. Things won't get run correctly, because that's why God delegated lords in the system. But if lords are needed, you shouldn't need to be a lord. Okay? Neither should your child need to be in charge. We all know that being in charge has some perks and powers. Kids will find out about that. Well, why is he in charge? Why did you know he's the older, your older brother? Because I'm your father. Whatever the, whatever the, uh, the strength is. Now, we are not encouraging a, a, a category of Christian power and authority that makes rat bastards out of fathers. We are encouraging a kind of service. Because it says very clearly in the scriptures, right there on page 13, Colossians 3.21, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And what do average patriarchal fathers spend their for all their free time doing? Provoking their children. Discouraging their children. Now, understanding what, what humility is is important. Um, I, I always liked Lewis's not thinking uh, less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Yeah, it's a it's a simple Oh, yeah, I even know what that means. Because most people think in this world of self-esteem and building your children up that uh, when you mean humility, you mean someone falsely or actually speaking down about themselves. 
Christ didn't go around doing that. He was as humble as anyone needed to be, and he didn't go, oh, no, not really God. I'm God, but it's no big deal. Um, When you're down about yourself, you're still about yourself. It's still, gee, I was, I was counseling a situation just the other day where I couldn't get the person to realize that they were always thinking about themselves. Never thinking about anyone else. Every sentencing to begin with, why can't someone do this for me? Why can't this happen for me? Why can't this everything was them and even though he was miserable he was miserable about well, people say oh yeah he's kind of depressed of course he's humble no he was really proud really proud love for others is crucial to humility facing away from yourself now I have the quote up here. I think it's from Juvenal. I think some others have said it too. Those whom the gods would destroy, they first drive mad. So, if the gods are out to destroy your children, they will first drive them mad. And the madness... Have you watched any video from around the campus of this nation of the little buttercups getting their feelings hurt as someone smarter than they eats their lunch? Somebody says something true, they have a meltdown. They call the cops. They need safe spaces. Whatever the situation, something's really wrong with, with this. But that madness came up through the ranks because even, just because being down about yourself isn't humilities, neither is being up on yourself. You will see when when the child is not taught their place, they will want to figure out their place. And the only place to be that's worth being is on top. Nobody, nobody likes to be underneath somebody else. You know, I don't mind being better than others, but no one better be better than me. And so first, you will hear from your kids the demands about equality. It's not fair. There's some vague, just like in politics, some vague claim about how much time or thing or satisfaction the other kid got. And you're not getting that adjusted for age and seniority. They only want to be equal long enough to work up enough leverage to pull themselves ahead of that other person. Equality is only a point in the journey. It's not um, a thing that they value. They really want to be better than the other people because they want their way. And as this kind of um, um, effort goes on, a degree of chaos and madness enters the home. Because it's not just one kid, multiple kids. And so the world thinks that the best thing to do is either try to find the path of that absolute equality. Everything is... Um, we got that piano 
in the living room because when my father-in-law died, there were only two Porsches, there were two brothers, and Leslie. The brothers got the Porsches, and to be fair, they bought Leslie a new piano. To be fair. And it has to be, if one, if one of the siblings needed some money for something in particular, they couldn't just give that sibling the money. They had to give the exact same amount to everybody else. Everything had to be fair. Now, fairness will destroy you, because life isn't, and either are circumstances. Justice is, fairness not. Justice, and, and you can look at your child and go, no, you're, you're talking about the wrong subject here. Let's talk about justice. Do you want to talk about justice? Do you think you got what you deserved? Not that I get equal to the other. Did I get what I deserve? You want what you deserve? None of us want what we deserve in this cosmos. God would destroy us all right now. So we sometimes get caught up in this world that this this world that is trying to work its way down into this crazy. The parents climb on and say, okay, equality. That sounds because they, they heard it in civics. They thought it was true. Um, it's not. Um, and other times, parents go, really, let's work on self-esteem. Because so many times, the kid to get the presumed equality and fairness will act like he has been hurt and wronged. So the parent goes, oh, my little Johnny. But you're, you're mommy's little special boy. And I think you should be given... X, Y, or Z. You really have such skills. Believe in yourself. You know, your kids, other than Oliver, are not that great. They're not that handsome, other than Oliver. And at some point, what Leslie and I, we, we pride ourselves, although it's a sin to be proud, we pride ourselves in our honesty about our children. Some people do not like that degree of honesty, our children. <laughs> but it started with my lovely wife, who I always call my lovely wife. And, and it ever gets on the prettiness of women, I say, my wife, she's a 7.5 or 8 in good lighting. Well, every man knows he's supposed to say, if he doesn't believe, my wife's a 10, a 9.5 or a 10. My wife's not a 9.5 or a 10. She's a 7.5 or an 8 in good lighting. I'm an artist. I know stuff. And I knew which of my kids were ugly. And I had ugly kids. I know which of my kids are smarter than the others. Begin to see. I'm just looking at it. None of my kids are in attendance. Now, there's a reality that's going on. There is a height that is being missed. And without the height present, you will not be able to teach humility because humility is putting them where they know they ought to be, which puts them under some and over others. And at the beginning, it might be at the very bottom of the pile. Oliver, for all of his talents, is at the very bottom. Maybe, is your, your kid older than... Yeah, no. three months older. The, 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 
Ollie, Theodore, then Ian. Ah, uh, Ian, Ian Ian's the, the Wilson <laughs> at the bottom. Now, you basically need to be a lord to teach humility. You need to know what that means. You know, you, I want you to think about it. The, the thing that you take home and say, I want to understand, is this issue of humility that I know is a virtue. I don't think I have to prove to anybody humility is a virtue. But humility is not an artificial behavior in a world that has no reference to it. It's an actual correct feeling about who you are and what you're doing. And teaching humility. First off, you have to see the humility. Husbands, especially in the, in the Christian evangelical world of serious conservative Christians, they might get Christian models down for family and hearth side. And all of a sudden, that father, who once he's Father Abraham, he can't see anybody above him but God. You know, he's divine right of dad. That's it. But he's got a boss. And he's got a king. Or a president. Or a congress. Or a state government. Or a county government. Oddly enough, he can't stand that. He's just like his kids. And the wife, as I've told a number of women over the years, what kind of obedience do you want out of your children? You probably want joyful and instant obedience. What kind of obedience do you give your husband? Let me guess. Not joyful and not that instant. Well, what, what, what do I think? I'm, if I don't understand position, I don't understand position. Um, if I'm just trying to lie to my children about the rightness of their positional obedience and I don't live by it, this means I'm trying to rip them off. If they figure that out, and they will, they will notice that you don't give to your overlords what you owe them. You don't give them the honor. You don't give them the reverence. And it's not just wife to the husband and the husband to his king. But it is also both of you to the true. This is a, a great lesson for your kids to see. When you find out you're wrong. My father said this to me uh, a number of months ago. Watch out for any father who the kids can't ever remember him saying he was wrong. In an argument, in a discussion, being corrected by anything, if he has never said he was wrong. Somehow, the idea that my parents are humble before the true, not just humble before their husband, not just humble before the king, but humble before what is true, there's, I'm not just teaching them humility, but humility to the right thing, the things that are, that are of, of some moment. And when you are humble before the true, and the kid is in the right and you in the wrong, your humility has to go to them. And let them know you were an error. That's... We, we've had... Uh, over the years, it's just, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting this as a policy, but here at the house we've had what's called the dictionary walk, which uh, arguments or discussions develop, and a word comes up that people wonder what it really means. Evan gets up, walks to the library, looks it up to the OED, 
and the OED rules, okay? Not Google, not Bing, OED. I come back and tell, and, I, and usually the discussion has gone on, and people had, well, I think it really has something to do with, and I like being right. I think I'm right half of the time on those dictionary walks. I, that's not a good thing. You're walking back into the room of all of your rent-paying tenants who have argued in their ignorance for some view that you couldn't imagine how they could hold it, and they were right. And you have got to tell them. You can't come back and say, I couldn't find the dictionary. <laughs> no, not being able to find the dictionary, it's two volumes, it's hard to miss. You have got to have a policy that is a... Uh, the other illustration I give in this situation is when I taught at Logos School, I taught first period and I had to give the announcements. And some announcements ago, look, I grant you, hey, you beat uh, St. Mary's in basketball. Congratulations. Yay. Hold it. Didn't you have a game last night? There's nothing in the announcements. We got beat. Well, honor the victors, for heaven's sake. You got beat. It's the other side of sports, losers. <laughs> now, people want to ignore all these opportunities when real life comes back to them and hands them an information, hands them the information that they need to know. That they're not God's little special buttercup. They're not Really, that's smart. Have you ever woken up one day and wrote, I'm not that smart. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I always do that with being good looking. You know, I'm not that good looking. Never will be, never was. When, uh, Leslie, you had an example on this. It's the next Next step. I have that in my notes here. Um, Once you step into this idea that, hey, there are levels, and I'm a parent, I'm a mother, I'm a father, those are a level, what kind of lordship does that take? One of the basic things you learn about lordship, it serves, but it serves at its own command. It doesn't serve at the command of the agent served. If I am a... If I am a... Um, a waiter... I do the commands of my boss for the client. Sometimes if the, if the client is bossy and we're supposed to be deferential, then we serve the client. But we, we don't want that to be the case. They're servants of their employer. What was your... My example <laughs> is for the mothers dealing with children. You spend... If you're a mom at home, you spend hours upon hours with your kids. And the high chair example is what I'm going to give. Um, you're feeding a baby in a high chair, and so you're serving them. You're making sure their food is hot, you're at the right temperature for them, and um, spooning food into their mouth, or maybe they're picking up uh, finger food and eating it. At some point, your kid thinks it's kind of fun to 
see what happens when they let go of it and it falls on the floor. And at that point, you, the servant, who, is all, who are also the Lord of this child, have to decide, am I going to be the servant who's constantly picking up junk off the floor, or am I going to teach my child that this is not how we do high chair time, and give the child a slap, or, or you say, okay, we're done. You're dropping food on the floor, you're not hungry anymore, you're done. And so the idea behind this is that you are setting the procedures in your life as you deal in service to your child to show them you're still in charge and you're bringing more peace and more order to the circumstance rather than allowing the child to create chaos and mess indiscriminately everywhere they go that you are just constantly running around after them picking them up. Um, it could go to, you know, glass doors. If you have glass doors somewhere and you don't want to be cleaning finger smudges all the time off the doors, you teach your kids, no, we're not going to go put our hands in the glass doors. Um, but, you know, in that there are going to be times when you're still going to have to clean the glass doors or whatever. So you, you do serve the child, but you teach them in that. And it, ha and it has to be in this there's a slight difference between a child in the high chair who think he's Caligula. Some Roman Caesar, feed me and <laughs> drop grapes in my mouth and when I'm done, I'm going to throw the bowl against the wall and you will get me down if I make a noise and let me run off with messy hands to put them on the glass windows whenever I like. While mother dutifully cleans like Cinderella. No. You slap the kid, he sits in his own mess till you're done cleaning. Just because he demanded to get down. He, he, he's got to find out he's not Caligula. He's got to find out that, that this is service from above on the Lord's standards, not the child's standards. Because, and this is, this is a hard thing for people to accept, and I get corrected by Christians all the time, I have yet to be corrected. They attempt to, they attempt to correct me. I am I'm resistant. Um, adults are better than kids. Okay? They're better human beings. Kids are nothing. Can't think, can't wipe their own butts. They are incomplete. They're immature. You are complete and you are mature. That's the reason we grow up. With these verses here are following are spiritually applied. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even yet you were not ready. That's not viewed as a positive. Growing up as a kid, when I was a child, Second First Corinthians, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Now, there's a distinction of quality. It's not just, oh, hey, I'm different now. I was a kid. Now I'm an adult. No, I was awful, now I'm better. Now, you are mature when the government that is necessary to yourself resides in yourself. That's, if you're looking for a definition for maturity. The government necessary for yourself resides in yourself. And that's what you are trying to do to your kids. Put enough wisdom, understanding, morality into that child, that they move out to go to college at 18 
that they've got enough residing in them, governing them, that they can take care of that themselves. Every day you go about this, you're going to need to do this, need to rule less. Ideally, you're going to rule less. Um, now, Leslie's illustration is the difference between acting humble under your children or acting humble around your children. In other words, they can see humility being ex uh, ex uh, expressed towards those things that you must be humble toward. But not to them merely because humility is good and they have demands. Um, so I have summed that up here at the bottom of 14. You are clarifying for the child that the child is incompletely human, that the child will be completely human one day, that this is not just different but a better condition, so the current adults are better than they. If you don't think that, you will never communicate that. You'll be trying to fake them out and they will get your number quickly. If you believe it, it changes the nature um, of the relationship. Suddenly, everything that you do comes down to them. Be it love, affection, discipline. It's not side to side like that bigger guy here in the house hit me. I can't wait till I'm just as big as he is because then all bets are off. Because if you communicated that the only reason you got to hit him was because you could pick him up and take him to a room and hit him, that's it. Size was everything. He's just waiting for the day it's not an issue anymore. And you've heard, maybe you were this kind of kid, where you finally said, you can't do that to me anymore. You can't discipline me anymore. Physical fights breaking out between father and son, daughter and mother. Now, we don't have... Uh, might as well, might as well go on to the next slide. This involves Lord Acton's rule about... about um, we use a fictional equality to correct Lord Acton's rule. Lord Acton's rule is power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Oddly enough, God has absolute power and it didn't corrupt him, but besides that problem with the truism, um, we have fictional equality because unequal circumstances will mess with people that are not your equal. You will take them to the cleaners legally, you will hurt them, you will send them to jail undeservedly, you'll have them killed. Fictional, our society has a fictional equality. Not an actual equality. You cannot declare an actual equality. The fiction is believed because people declare it as an actual equality. God endowed every man with these sorts of things. But it's not true. Now, we try to get around the jerkiness of, we, we want to be either be all positive about things, or we want to be all equal about things uh, to keep the tyranny from happening. Uh, 
But rule has to happen. Eventually, the parent is trying to get people in the van to go to school, and they're not listening. Or they're just refusing to go. Or they're screaming at them in the middle of the mall. Screaming at them in church. And you've got nothing to fall back. You know you're supposed to be in charge. You're the big people in the van. But if that's all you have to fall back on, all you've got is tyranny. Now, I have um, the reason when perceived equals need to be ruled, it takes more force and appears tyrannical. It's because of C.S. Lewis's definition on page 15. This is also out of his chapter on hierarchy. I almost have it memorized, but that's because it's tattooed on my belly. <laughs> Upside down, so I can read it. <laughs> the greatest statement of the hierarchical conception in its double reference to civil and cosmic life is, perhaps, the speech of Ulysses in Shakespeare's Troilus. Its special importance lies in a clear statement of the alternative to hierarchy. If you take degree away, each thing meets in mere repugnancy. Strength will be lord. Everything will include itself in power. In other words, the modern idea that we can choose between hierarchy and equality is, for Shakespeare's Ulysses, mere moonshine. The real alternative is tyranny. If you, have, if you will not have authority, you will find yourself obeying brute force. And that's what happens in families. That's why... Husbands punch out their wives. That's why parents beat their children. Because they didn't teach them rule, authority. And they still have to rule. They know they're supposed to be in charge. They know that mom's position, you got to go to the dentist. And the kid not willing to go. And the mother finally getting so frustrated because the child is viewing her as her equal as the equal and as Lewis says in the next section now if once the conception of hierarchy is fully grasped we see that order can be destroyed in two ways by ruling or obeying natural equals that is by tyranny or servility two by failing to obey a natural superior or to rule a natural inferior that is by rebellion or remissness and these, whether they are monstrosities of equal guilt or no, are equally monstrosities. So you got tyranny and servility. I can either successfully crush my children till they're servile. They think they're equal, but the force is too painful, too much. Or they see me as a tyrant that has always got to be resisted. Because if I'm equal and I'm trying to rule my equals... I have to be a tyrant. Now these things have to be understood. You can't live this way in the, in the, in the, in the modern world with everybody else looking at you like you're an odd duck if you even use the word, my betters. If I even think in terms of nobility or height, um, if, if they hear your kids using polite honorifics for you we grew up with our kids grew up calling us mother and father they didn't know any different it wasn't like it was an honorific 
It was an endearment. That's what they called us on mother, father. And everybody, even at Christian school, thought they were some kind of, you know, Appalachian throwback that really couldn't, you know, catch up with the modern times. So, you, do you want this or not? But you have to believe this. This is something you have to understand. Is it the way the universe is, is the way God made it, that he put parents in charge and made them better because better is based on their degree of rule. How far does it go? I had a corner lot in Moscow, one wife, four kids. That was my glory. Do I believe that I am better than that. And it's amazing, once you communicate that you are better than they, um, the kind of Christian relationship it is. Because you're forbidden from being a provoking bastard. You're for forbidden from being domineering. You're encouraged to have a membership. And I have this long section here on the side from Lewis's essay on membership. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But he is defending, well, right in the middle he says, I do not believe that God created an egalitarian world. I believe the authority of parent over child, husband over wife, learned over simple, to have been as much a part of the original plan as the authority of man over beast. That's what C.S. Lewis believed. And he is drawing a picture in membership of how a husband and wife's authority distinction because then God made us members together and no man hates his own flesh the family itself becomes a membership just like the church is a membership so I want you to meditate on that once you step into this world that yes hold it I am better I'm not just a frustrated equal who's been put in charge with no power to do anything about it how do I get out of this I should never have had kids believing and saying you know you're right. If they understood lordship and their place, they would learn humility. And learning humility does some good things for their... Uh, good things for their soul. Now, I did some... But here I am, I was a graphic designer, and I can't separate the last line from that. One is not what one must pretend to be. We're not pretending to be this in an egalitarian world we have to be this but the next subject there is how did we realize this um, we live in a country I mean I read a lot of Lewis I live in a country that's founding was based on a war of independence you know it's, I mean it almost says hey a war of pornography it's, it's that kind of wicked we see independence taking your own, overthrowing the Lord's anointed as great patriotic stuff. Mad King George. We can't expect to teach our children that that kind of philosophy is good and right and holy and not have them supplicate the goddess when they think you're a tyrant and a Mad King George. You just told them it's okay to disobey the crown when they don't like what the crown told them. That's because this 
plays against all of us. This is the way that you, this is not a tool that you get to use on the kids and nobody gets to use on you. You've got to say, if it's true, I might have to admit in polite dinner parties that I think that the American Revolution was a sin against the living God because we raised our hand against the Lord's anointed. And I just like I expect that we should have stayed with the British crown, I think my children should obey me. That's just simple. Now, we're not trying to move back far enough on the... I was raised in the 50s, and it was a halcyon time. I mean, riding bicycles in the street with little playing cards clipped to your spoke so it would sound like a motor. Watching Leave It to Beaver. Father Knows Best in black and white. Um, what else was great about it? Eisenhower was president. I watched the moon landing. Uh, what else did we do? What? Somebody. Bailiff. Throw that woman out. But uh, the 50s it was a glorious, glorious time, but if you think you're just going to move the church and your families back to the 50s and not have a generation later the same problems, because all of these things are what you believe. Do you be First talk was, do you believe what Christianity is about, or do you think it's this play religion time, and you're just trying to pick out the most fun play religion place with the most bumper cars and the most you know ball pits for you to jump in? Uh, and do you believe that parenting is actually a higher and lower, not a power and side to side, horizontal, but a vertical thing? Now, we can't go back on the timeline sufficiently at all, but if you go back to 1776, you think that you're picking a good time because the rebels look like gentlemen. But we want to be actually gentlemen and ladies. Um, it had happened years ago, I don't know, probably more than 20 years ago. Boise. Boise. Uh, probably in the late 80s. Late 80s. When, how far back is that? 36 years. Late 80s? No, 36 <laughs> years is 80. Uh, so, uh, 30. 30 years. Closer to 30 years. 30 years ago, some, a, a couple came to us and they listened to our teaching on child rearing. And we had measured our child rearing uh, and those of others around us uh, with very few children and very little children. Uh, spanking. Spanking. Nobody spanked, we spanked. We also scheduled. Uh, so we were disciplined type of people. So we recommended to them spanking their little Johnnies and uh, scheduling them. Time went on and they spanked their kids more than we did. And every single one of their kids collapsed first. Then their marriage collapsed. You go, okay, this could be a lot of hidden problems there. But when they asked, well, we're doing all that you told us. Why is it not working? Why is little Johnny insubordinate? 
and your first thought is, are you, are you swinging through the butt? Because your mind goes to the tyrannical, I need to be hurting him more, and pain's a good thing, but I, it was the only tool I had. As I thought about it, and I had been reading some things uh, um, along these lines, and it opened me up to it because I realized that I didn't have um, everything that God had given to parents the modern age did not have. The philosophy of the age did not offer it uh, to us. I realized the government God had of his children and there were there was discipline, there was affection, there was authority, and there was height. Everything from God came down to me. I mean it it wasn't like I got a letter from God horizontally. It wasn't it, it had to come down to me. You felt position when God was revealing something to you in the scriptures. You knew that he was higher. And you begin to realize it's amazing how automatically disciplined. I, I spoke at an education conference 20 years ago in Virginia on discipline. The whole subject was on classroom discipline. So I picked this subject. I said, the problem is that none of you, the students, don't think the teachers are their betters. They don't think that. And we don't encourage them to think that. We persist in teaching them the American Revolution was good. Because when they go to a rock concert, if they can get down front and touch the hem of Cheryl Crow's garment, if they got invited backstage to talk to what was uh, in Wayne's World, um, Alice Cooper, mm -hmm. and what do they do when they get backstage? Not We're not worthy. We're not worthy. And they're bowing down to Alice Cooper. Because it's a joke. But it's exactly what they will do when they do meet who they think are their betters. They will self-discipline. They will operate as if I am lower in regard to this other who is better, higher than I. It's not that Cheryl Crow or Alice Cooper is just different than I. He has got strange makeup on. I do not. My, how different people exist in the world. No, he's a rock star. I'm a nobody. So the idea... The idea we're pursuing is that until you believe this, a key element in your children's being disciplined and being loved is you, you won't find a ground to teach it to them. The, 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 the nature of esteem ideas or fairness ideas, instead of teaching your children humility, ask yourself the question, what am I doing actually that says, if I, I wanted to teach them mathematics, I'm going to show them two oranges and two oranges and add the oranges together, count up the oranges. What am I going to do to teach them humility? Teach them, first I have to believe that the universe is a world in which dignities exist and that they are not one of them. So bear that in mind, that this is, if not grasped, you're basically cutting off one leg and saying, I'm going to try to have decent people, for no reason whatsoever, come up out of my children. 
I might have orderly citizens with good enough discipline. They might love you. Not a problem. Not saying they won't love you. But you want them to be ready to hear all the instruction from God. You don't want the proud child. Because the, God told your child, honor your father and your mother. Are they capable of doing that? And what's missing from the equation? Well, Leslie, do you have any more? One more note. I always like that. They, they, they get quiet when you suggest that people move down on the scale, but they're all very in, 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 uh, indignant. What's the. Did you freeze it? There it goes. As you gain a better sense of being better, protect your heart with the gain of love and service as well. Be a noble parent. Because if you start to grasp power, remember, even in antiquity, Caligula, Louis XIV, they're all out there, full of themselves, full of their own greatness. And you want to be the kind of person who's a noble parent of governing service to others who are your inferiors. Well, let's thank God for the evening. And... Uh, you can hang out in fellowship and or run away. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, thank you very much for this evening. We'd ask that you would bless our time tomorrow as well. And the fellowship in your son's name. Amen. Amen.